Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. This episode will be all about AI, ChatGPT, DALI, and all the other tools that we've become familiar with over the past few months. Our special guest is Martin Slaney from productprompts.com. And during this episode, you'll hear both me and Martin talking, but also some members of my community, which is called the Good Life Collective. And you can read about this community on my blog, but also I'll also leave a link um, within the show notes of this episode. So just a heads up about that. I wanted to combine both recording and episode for this podcast and also a webinar for the Good Life Collective. So without further ado, let's welcome Martin and get started with the show. All right, so welcome, Martin, to the show. Let's kick things off by introducing yourself and how you got into AI. Cool. So I've um, I've worked in tech uh, all my life, really, actually mostly financial services. Um, and um, uh, over the years, had four or five startups, a couple of exits, um, uh, one or two still going, one or two um have retired from the scene um but um originally actually started out working in uh, derivatives trading and uh sort of cfds and foreign exchange so derivatives for, for um for retail traders um and running dealing desks and managing risk um and as doing that like back this is like 25 years ago a group of us got together and set up the UK's uh, and in fact Europe's and in fact the world's first um, online trading platform for retail traders um, and um, and it, it all went a bit crazy um, because it was 19 sort of 1999 and um, and uh, people were able to trade on the markets um, on on leverage for the first time um and um so we had a ball that got bought I, over the years i've i've mostly worked in yeah early stage ventures and then either scaled them up or or they've been acquired um i moved into sort of product and product management about 15 years ago uh, about 10 yeah about 12 years ago um and <clears throat> so worked with companies like blackrock um and um more sort of, I guess, testing out a hypothesis that do I want to work in startups always or do I want to work in a big corporate? And like testing that career hypothesis of what's what do I enjoy doing the most? Um, and um, well, I, I falsified that assumption that I would enjoy working in corporate because I certainly didn't. <laughs> um, and um, but, you know, you, everything's a learning curve, right? um so recently for the last sort of four or five years i've been working as a um a consultant helping corporates and startups um build new ventures typically so with corporates like big banks like barclays world bank of scotland um banks in africa in the us in, in the uk who um aren't best placed to um move quickly um and test and validate new ideas um so i help them i help them do that and build an mvp and test and validate 
um, you know, in the space of a couple of months, what would normally take them to do, you know, in the space of a year or 18 months or if ever. Um, and that's kind of what I do a lot of now. So um, get to work with lots of different people and industries and ideas and it's super super interesting so um i don't really give myself a tag but if i had to it's kind of like a consultant venture builder i guess um so it's really cool um and i and i love it um i've obviously always been involved in um technology uh, um even (laughs) even going back to when i was at school and i was selling um (laughs) <laughs> I wrote a game on the Commodore 64 and sold that uh, as a as a second as a side hustle <laughs> when I was at school um, to people um, to, to classmates until I got stopped and banned. Um, but uh, always been involved in tech and you know working in innovation and consultancy. You have to be on the you have to be on the um, or try to be on the cutting edge of new trends and um, new technologies and how they can help me in my day job just to get things done quicker or to 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 do more uh, than I'm originally able to do so when um so originally I'd been I've been playing around with Dali maybe a year ago uh, sort of last summer when it came out which is the open AI um, text to image generator um, Martin, can I just pause you yeah. right there? Yeah. I think that was a great intro a background about yourself. Before we get into specific applications of AI, just so yeah. everybody is following, because we've had people who are experimented a lot and some who have literally no experience with AI. Yeah. Now, AI is not something new, the term AI. I remember reading a book from Max Tegmark, Life 3.0, yeah. which was released in 2017. And that was like, AI was already being talked about. There were some series on, I don't know if it was Netflix. There was the UK series. You can remind me the name because I I forgot. It was about AI robots in the house and the family kind of, maybe you remember that. Um, There was the American series, uh, the Western AI. Again, I forgot the name. Um, I can look them up. But so it's not something new. What we've seen... Westworld was the American one and the British one was also really good because it was like the application of AI as a robot, lifelike robot within the family. So the psychological uh, aspect of that, yeah. Almost human, I think it was. That one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what we've seen in the past six months to one year is something new, right? A new application maybe of AI, maybe much closer to our daily work. And I'd like you to dig deeper into how what actually happened in the last six months that got everybody talking about AI again. Yeah, it's funny because OpenAI, which is the company that's come to the who's getting grabbing all the news at the moment, is actually 10 years old. Um but but um you know up until up until sort of four or five months ago hardly anybody knew about it and now 100 million people around the world use it on a daily basis so um so what changed um i guess the ai there are, you know there are a couple of different aspects of artificial intelligence um one is more around um uh, predictive 
analytics, if you like, and using uh, a mass of data to determine uh, what's going to happen next. Um, so typically that might be used in financial forecasting or financial modeling, some really good use cases there. Um, what we're seeing now and the kind of models that are um, that OpenAI is, is famous for are called large language models, which, um, which without getting too technical, um, what it allows you to do is put on a user interface on the front end, which could be chat GPT, for example, or it could be your own interface if you in integrate with their back end using their API. Um, but it allows you to work with a model that um, is ultimately um, at any time um, predicting what its, what its next best word should be to complete a sentence. Um, so based on a huge data set, a huge um, corpus of data uh, amassed from the internet um, over the last couple of, or over several years up until 2021. Um, the, uh, the machine is, is able to, or the model is able to um, ascertain based on the question that you ask it or the prompt that you give it, often called prompts, um, an answer based on what it thinks is relevant to that question. And it doesn't know what it's going to say from one word to the next until it's actually output that word. Um, so it doesn't actually know anything. It doesn't actually have an opinion um, to be debated, but um, it doesn't even think. It's really just a language model that has a very uh, clever way of generating um, words. And GPT stands for, the G in GPT stands for generative. And so you'll hear the term generative AI to, to, dis, to distinguish this form of AI from other machine learning types of artificial intelligence. Um, and um, so ChatGPT was actually, um, was actually released in uh, November of last year by OpenAI. Um, and all it was was, um, well, it was two things. One, it was uh, a conversational chatbot style front end. And it was also using um, the data set that it's always had, which was tweaked to be a little bit more conversational in, in its responses. Um, but up until then, you could quite easily log in to uh, get an account with OpenAI and use their um, either their API, their integrator, or their playground to 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 play with the model and see what it would generate. Um, but it was the user experience and that user interface that brought it to um, that made it a, a switch flick in so many people's minds in terms of how you could use this, what you could ask, and made it infinitely more accessible than any other large language model that we've ever been exposed to. Um, so that was kind of a triggering event for me, um, as, as, as it was for many millions of other people. Um, and, um, and which is quite 
crazy really that all it took was um a sort of very minimalistically designed interface on the front end um and that 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 the interface be triggered by some other development because we've been seeing like ai bots for like i guess a few years now already like yeah. so-called ai bots what's why did the stroke of genius happen in november to, to release this interface um from what i heard um they weren't planning on releasing it i think they built this internally as a way to um to help them train the model so there's a way of um improving the the output of a model that actually uses humans as well and human input um and very simply you um you can ask the model to generate two possible answers outputs um and for a human to then go no i prefer that one or that one is more relevant or this was what i was looking for and then it incorporates that into its learning and re and remembers that for for future output and i think chat gpt was designed for to help internal testers um with that process and and um and then actually um i don't know which uh what the internal process was in terms of somebody deciding to release it to the public um but it's um that's that's where it originated from so and and that's why um it wasn't designed to i mean you, know, you look at chat gpt it's not, it's not the most <laughs> beautiful or inspiring interface you've ever seen but it's extremely functional yeah and um you know sometimes less is more okay so that makes a lot of sense how about dali because we mentioned dali which is the image generator there are others like midjourney yeah um, my understanding is they work in the same way but for images is that correct okay they work in exactly the same way except that the body of tech uh, the, the the body of data that they have been trained on is obviously millions and millions of images mm -hmm. um uh, as well as the metadata or the the text associated with those images um so that um you can input uh, a text prompt in the same way you do with chat gpt and then it'll interpret that prompt um based on the vast um number of images that it has in its in its um in its head to generate whatever kind of image it is that you're looking for um yeah so you mentioned dali or dali 2 which is the latest mm -hmm. version from open ai also from open ai yeah yeah there is midjourney um completely separate company um i've probably used that more than anything um <laughs> I set up a um you know a business just to sort of see if I could sell digital art on demand uh with Printify. Um and uh turns out it's a lot harder <laughs> mm -hmm. than, than you think because everybody's like on social media like, ah, oh, it's so easy now. Anybody can just sell digital art. It's not that easy. Um but I was quite impressed with my results. Um but the uh so Midjourney is another one. Another one that's recently getting a lot of attention is called Leonardo, Leonardo AI, which is producing some incredible results. 
but Mid Journey Five is the new version of that app. These 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 versions are coming out really really quickly after each other, and they are seeing substantial leaps forward in the quality of the output. So with GPT, we've had GPT four released in what well, I can't believe it, but like two weeks ago. But um, you know, GPT three was was the the prior model to that. Um, GPT-5 probably come out in the next few months. I mean, the the leaps and bounds that we're taking in terms of the, in all different ways, the quality of, um, of, of just what's possible with these models is incredible. So, you know, um, on the images side, for example, Midjourney used to be, well, in fact, Dali as well, and all um, image, genera- image generation models were pretty poor at generating hands, or feet. Um, Mid Journey Five has mastered that, um, and now you can. So um, previously, you had to sort of use Photoshop or another editing, uh, some other editing software to to sort of touch up your photos where the where the AI had got it slightly wrong, um, and the the definition is getting unbelievable now and. Um, Beyond that, you've got um, video, which is the next logical element of um, generative AI. So um, being able to type in a a text and um, and generate a video from that. Um, So you've got companies like um, Runway um, that are um, involved in the generative um, video AI space um and uh yeah a couple of others okay so and like you mentioned these big leaps that are being done with with every aspect of of uh, ai and these applications what is driving these leaps i reckon they're using i think they're using chat gpt i think they're using their own models to drive their own leaps because nobody can quite believe the speed for a relatively small team, I'm trying to think. OpenAI has um, in the hundreds of people. I think it's 700 people working for them. Um, they're already being compared to, you know, Apple and Google in terms of the level of innovation, and they're moving. So I I don't know the answer to how they are um, able to move this quickly, apart from. My assumption being that a lot of this technology, given that the company is ten years old, has 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 been has really just had to. They haven't had to build too much technology behind it. It's more about allowing the model to self improve, to be improved by humans, and to take on feedback that it's now getting from the hundreds of millions of users who are inputting and therefore acting as as you know direct customer feedback um, yeah. <laughs> interfaces themselves. So, I mean, you know, for them to be moving at the pace they are, all of these companies um, is quite incredible. More refinement of the training rather than developing the methods of the training. That's- I think so. I, I, I think so, Matt, um, because um, as I say, you know, we're also – Although it's quite hard to believe, because for me anyway, of just the mind-blowing potential that we've suddenly just been handed, 
it's actually super very early stages still for for okay. humans interacting with large language models in this way super early and um so with, with the most basic interfaces i mean think of all the different interfaces that people are going to build with the apis right super basic and um and nobody uh quite know well we'll come on to what's you know what does the future yeah. hold. i think i think yeah so so far we've defined what is ai especially what is the ai being talked about and the current uh, phase we're in so i mentioned ChatGPT, mid-journey the, the visual stuff open i'm sorry leonardo ai is another one dali we mentioned also there's also the audio and video components yeah. of ai which we haven't well, really got into yet yeah uh, but audio, I think oh, yeah, that, yeah um let's get into the applications now because mm. possibly i think at this point people are excited about this but we want to know how it will help us deliver make money maybe help us in our jobs to be more productive and as we mentioned that i'd like to bring donaka on board i know he's been doing a lot of experimentation so i think he's got also a few questions to lead us on on this aspect of applications oh okay so sorry am i am, am i on yeah <laughs> okay i apologize um yes I, I i was wondering martin could you tell us a little bit more in your last uh, newsletter by the way can i just apologize to everybody for me turning up late it appears the clocks went forward uh, in Europe or, or something and yeah. um, leaving <laughs> leaving Brazil even further behind than it already was. So, uh, okay, so in your last newsletter, you talked about using Replit and uh, ChatGPT4 to create a small app. And I was wondering if you could tell us, presumably you wrote that newsletter maybe a few days ago or whatever. In the meantime, we have, oh, okay, we, we have uh, Copilot Plus or Copilot X has been yeah. announced. Yeah, which, which appears to to integrate GPT four right into the situation, yeah. rather than Ghostwriter, uh, which Replit uses, and appears to be much even deeper. Um, where do you see this going, and how far do you see this going in terms of non programmers being able to produce apps? Yeah. So, first of all, um, I'm not a coder. Um, I've done some. I can do limited you know sql querying if as a, as, a, as a product person and, and you know you need to query a database but i'm not a coder um and um so my use case here just first of all regarding um gpt4 as a coding um tutor coding coach and i explained in my prompt that i know nothing about code i need you to walk me step by step um, and check with me after each step that I'm happy uh, to create an app um, that does this. Um, so in that instance, GPT-4 was my, my, absolutely my coach and my tutor throughout the process. And I told it that I have access to OpenAI's API, and I told it that I have a Replit account. Um, so being really clear upfront about Kind of the tools that I want to use, um, and 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 it, you know, it was brilliant. I mean, in in minutes, thirty minutes, you've got a, you've got a working functional app, um, and um, 
The difference between that, I guess, and something like Copilot, Copilot X, or Ghostwriter in Replit is that those are targeted more at experienced developers, experienced coders, um, who just need assistance with um, occasional, uh, how, do you, how do you write the code for this again? Or can you just double check this code and make sure that it's all, um, you know, doing what code's supposed to do? Um, you can tell I'm not a coder. Um, and um, so it's more of a, an assistant in that sense. But that said, like, I think um, I read, I read the other day that well over 50% of the code in the world being written now is written by or um, involves the use of AI. So um, Copilot um, uh, itself is has been, you know, was kind of the chat GPT moment for the developer community. Um, and um, GPT itself and using chat GPT to code is like a huge moment for the no coder community who just want to make stuff but don't know how to do it and are used to having to rely on multiple different tools that have to plug in together through Zapier or, you know, all of those um, sort of different um, tools. But now you can, you know, just build it yourself. So one person. How did, you, how did you cope with the restrictions on GPT-4? I mean, if you can only make 24 queries ah. every three hours, how the hell did you manage yeah. to ask enough questions to program? <laughs> so... Um, that's a really good point. So, and also GPT-4 can be quite slow. Um, if you've used ChatGPT+, Chat you'll notice that GPT-4 itself is quite often quite slow, especially during the busier periods. And your usage rates are capped, as you say. So you can only submit a certain number of prompts um, in a certain number of hours. So initially I started over the weekend trying to get it to build a Chrome extension. Um, and it just kept falling over in the in in um and towards the end, and I had to get it to can you just check this for a bug? I'm getting this error here, I'm getting this bug here. So once I'd queried it a few times on the debugging, it was it, I was getting towards my limit. And then when you try and go back into so then your only option is to use the old version of Chat GPT. It's only a few weeks old. Um, and then that just doesn't work because GPT-4, anybody who doesn't know, one of the main advantages of that is that it has a much larger memory or context window, as it's called. So, um, so you can have these conversations with it that where it can remember what you said, you know, um, from several, 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 steps yeah, several steps back in the conversation, which ChatBT is uh, the old version is 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 not great at. Did you at any time fall back to using Replit's um, native uh, version, uh, which is called Ghostwriter? No. You didn't use that at all. Have you had experience using that in the past? Um, I've I tried it, um, but it doesn't tell you the whole story, right? So I can't go to Replit and say, so how do I get my, you know, where do I put the OpenAI API key? Or it doesn't tell you the full story if you're completely fresh to coding. It'll certainly yeah. help you. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but I my experience um, is 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 was been was experimenting around. Will this save me time? Will I be able to do this on my own without needing to 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 either 
find a developer or use an amalgamation of no code tools that I'd have to pay for. So mm-hmm. the answer, you know, the answer was, yeah, I can build this in myself, myself in half an hour for free. And what I built was not really the point. It was more, here's a functional, you know, it was a persona yeah. generator, which is like, so what? Um, but but the fact that you could build something that is a web-based app that allows you to integrate with OpenAI through that front end and generate an answer on a front end that looks, you know, okay. I mean, I literally, if I would have spent another 15, 20 minutes on it, I could have had it looking, um, you know, um, really quite professional. And somebody asked me on the on the community that I'm in the other day, um, like, oh, yesterday, which was, yeah, but how do you, I bet you can't get it looking really cool, like really well designed. Well, I can really, because it, it's just code. So I'll just ask it. So uh, I want it to look like this. <laughs> so just describe what you need um, and you'll get the code output. So, I mean, yeah, there are probably quite complex designs and scenarios and interactions where it might be tough, but um, ultimately it all comes down to code and GPT-4 can just generate it for you. And are you, I, mm-hmm. I take it that you're planning then once Copilot X comes out, or I presume you're already on the waiting list or whatever for that, are yeah. you going to try something more more challenging? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I can't, I can't. Yeah, I'm on the waiting list. Uh, I seem to be on the waiting list for about twenty five or thirty different <laughs> things. <laughs> everything, everything's waiting list, and uh, but um, uh, yeah, I will, I will, I'll definitely, I'll definitely explore it, Danica. Um, I think at the moment my mind's still just a bit blown with. Um, just just the chat gpt usage um here because uh, i don't want to disrupt jean's um structure here but you know okay so i've built a web app so what and i built it really quickly okay good but gpt or chat gpt has recently um announced last week um plugins um mm which if people haven't heard of it is um basically like an app store for chat gpt uh with an api so anybody can now build a plugin to chat gpt so it could literally be a case of um me you know having a, a mid-journey plugin and a runway plugin and and, I, and uh, um asking gpt to write me a uh an app with um a, and generate an image that goes with this background and generate a video that does this um and when um, have a sign-in system and when somebody signs in get trigger this email and literally doing all of that via a prompt without me having to <laughs> do any coding whatsoever um and so almost anything becomes possible and any anybody can now will be able to make anything um yeah i see these uh a lot of the plugin ideas at the moment are um different services that already exist like wolfram alpha for math and open table for bookings and and, and all these different things but uh, when you start plugging these different ai models together with plugins you know you've got the, the um 
plugging chat GPT in with a video model and a, and a, a image generation model and, and whatever else that comes out and they all start interacting together and like, yeah, <laughs> exponential is, you can't emphasize enough, right? Exactly. One other use case I'd love to mention. Um, earlier, you said that uh, the chat GPT doesn't really know what it's going to say and like what goes word by word, right? But several people from our group, and uh, I know many people have been using it in this way, they're putting data in and asking chat GPT to analyze, say, a report. Or maybe I've been asking it to analyze the prices of several products and compare them. How does it do that? Like when you're putting in data, how does that relate to what you mentioned earlier about it? Gathering the knowledge and then customizing it kind of. So when, when you enter text like that, you're actually, you're, you're training, you're, you're training the model, uh, which means you're saying that, um, to answer this question think about this data in particular um but use all of the other data that you have as well but particularly focus on this um and uh it's it's actually a lot harder for the model than it sounds um but yeah you can you can therefore um by by self-training the model with your prompt you can copy and paste in an article and ask it to uh, act as a world leading you know blog writing expert and to score your blog um using best practice writing um methodology and suggest improvements um and you know the best sort of way that i often use chat gpt is in that way as a as a um uh, as, as an assistant where you very clearly specify who you want this assistant to be um and it works incredibly well you know um when i discovered that i could go to go to chat gpt and create effectively a a life coach with chat gpt based on the prompts that i gave it and how, how i wanted it to um give occasional Gary V style, you know, inspiration and, um, and to check in with me and just using life coaching best practices from a couple of, a couple of influencers that I'm aware of. Um, And I can go back to that every day and just reuse it. It's incredible. And occasionally it runs out of memory. So it starts to what you call hallucinate and come up with nonsense. Um, So you have to remind it. But because it's a conversation, you can do that. You can just keep going. Um, so I do that every every morning now, um, and almost have this conversation with somebody who doesn't exist. But um, I find it incredibly useful. It's almost like um, journaling, but getting a, a you know getting a pro- professional to to help me um, and reassure me along the way. It's crazy, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, I, I think one of the points that you're getting to is also the importance of the prompt, right? Yeah. For people who haven't tried it, I think there's an element of the human as well, getting better and better at writing specific prompts 
to help the AI generate what they actually have, have in mind. So yeah. I'd love it for you to speak about the importance of prompts and how we as users can get better at that. Yeah, so um, little did I know that I'd be running a side hustle um, based on prompts um, six months ago because <laughs> I didn't even know what a prompt was. Um, but when ChatGPT was launched, um, my first instinct was just to really go hard on testing it and seeing what worked and what got the best outputs for me and my daily job. So, you know, in terms of coming up with product or startup ideas, in terms of um, creating business models, in terms of um, writing copy for a landing page, you know, everything involved with setting up a new business. Um, I tested it on and just kept um, score of prompts just on a Google sheet and just scored them all in terms of, you know, what I believed was um, uh, the, the best output and just gradually refined my prompts over time. Um, and then from that identified, you know, a set of techniques, if you like, or methods um, for being able to apply to kind of any time you want to go to chat GPT for any use case. So yeah, I've published a couple of prompt books, which are aimed at you know, product people and, and innovators. I've launched a prompt writing email course. Um, and, um, you know, with thousands of people, um, you know, um, buying the books and taking the course, and it's, it's quite incredible, really. Um, and, um, I guess my tips would, you know, if I was to give like some some top tips, um, would be just pointing out how being super specific um, is really important. Um, so to do that, how do you be really specific? So it's like keep going down another layer and another layer and another layer. Um, so I, I put out a tweet the other day, you know, chat GPT is great for generating ideas, but most people use it the wrong way. Um, instead of saying, come up with ideas for a blog article on, um, you know, on, on, um, generative AI, um, because GPT-4 is, has got this larger memory, you can have a proper workshop session with it. So don't expect it to just produce something in based on one prompt, but have a have a conversation with it. So um so imagine if you were to have a workshop with a friend um about what this blog would be about, then who should that friend be ideally? You know, if you could pick anybody in the world, who would it be? What are the constraints? How many words is it? Um who's the audience? um who uh what's the writing style what what is the tone of voice that you want it to use maybe you want it to come up with several different tone of voice examples so you can choose one um but just really think out the box like that and work in a step-by-step -step fashion uh using chat gpt as your co-worker um gets you a much better uh result in the end um, and we couldn't really do that too much with the previous version of ChatGPT, but we can with this current one because of that long yeah. Yeah. memory. Makes sense. How, how, what's your sense on 
how important this prompt engineering skill will be? Is it something that we need to plan into the future or is it something that's really maybe this year and then some new innovation will eliminate yeah. that need to be a prompt engineer? So, I mean, obviously nobody knows, right? Um, and kind of look, trying to predict the future at the moment is <laughs> not the most sensible thing to do. Um, but obviously I believe that it is an incredibly valuable skill to have right now to put you ahead of other people that are not using it. So right now, being able to interact with these language models in a way that gets the most out of them um, and gives gives you the best results is a you know is um, a clear advantage to you. Um, the writing of prompts is just like writing itself. You have to get good at writing. Um, in the same way you have to get good at writing prompts, the language that you use, the, the conciseness of the language, the, um, the words that you use, the vocabulary. Will we always need to write prompts? Well, with a, with a, with a conversational AI, yes, we will. Um, uh, how badly will we be able to write prompts and come up with the same results? Well, do you know what? I, I think we're probably a few years away from even getting to that point. Um, and that's a rough guess. So my my hypothesis hypothesis is that for the next, you know, 12, 24 months at least, prompt writing, given that so many um so many jobs and industries are going to be disrupted and and uh impacted by generative AI, prompt writing is the one part that can really separate stand you out at the moment. So therefore, it's a really good skill. Um, what uh, what sort of signals are you getting from industry, from say small to medium sized businesses or whatever else? I remember the first time round when we had the web that there was a, a long lag uh, when businesses uh, finally got around to the idea that they needed a website and they'd hire some kid and pay them way too much money to make a website. I see the same thing happening here, but obviously this time there's much more focus on uh, AI. And so what I'm wondering is, is are you actually seeing businesses casting around looking for experts? You're obviously somebody that they would come across because of your because of your newsletter and your, your blog. Um, are you seeing the same kind of gold rush and the same opportunities arising as that time? So I work for, um, sl slowly is the one word answer. Um, I actually work, I do, you know, I do contract work for innovation consultancies who then work with end clients and bring me in as a, an external party. Um, and I'm training the consultancies in, in it. So there's an appetite for, for them to understand, to then be able to take that out to their clients. But at the moment, there isn't the, there isn't yet a, a, a significant pull from, from, companies saying oh we need to we need to you because I, they don't know what they don't know so um so the who, point who's buying your books sorry as far as you can tell who's buying your prompt books is oh. it individuals who are trying to oh. themselves um, up yeah it's individuals so founders um pro uh, product managers designers and marketeers 
um, uh, are the main audience um, of of the prompt books. Um, so it's people who are working in, you know, either in some very small startups or are a part of a much bigger team, and they just want to use it in their own day to day work. Um, but I think you know there are two there are two um, two aspects to to AI, if you like. One is some an individual using it in their own workflows to 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 give themselves a you know productivity advantage there. But the other is an, uh, is the company using it um, internally. Actually, I'm going to come on to three, but you know internally and improving their own internal interdepartmental workflows. And then the third one is well, how can we use this if it's a digital product? Companies, how can we or should we even integrate this within our product? So there's kind of three different aspects there and the the first one that's proving easier to get um you know adoption with is you know individuals just being curious as to how to uh improve their own work and 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 job um with chat gpt but the next step should then be how can we improve internal workflows and then also how where do we start to integrate this into our own product or, or should we be yeah, I think a lot of companies, depending on their size and their business, will have data data privacy concerns mm-hmm. uh, because anything you put into ChatGPT becomes property of OpenAI, right? And so if you start putting client confidential data in there, well, a lot of business you're just not allowed to do that, right? Yeah, um, that's, that's right. There is a data privacy concern. So with ChatGPT, um, although if you use if you use the playground which is like the the front end interface to the non conversational version of sure. gpt then there then originally you, you could you could opt out of um your data being used in the model but now by default mm-hmm. data is not used in the model so um at the moment chat gpt is absolutely released as a beta version which is using customer's data to improve itself um at some point that will not be necessary and the returns on using the data will you know will diminish um so the the privacy concerns won't be there um well, and- no. uh, i i spotted in the microsoft presentation that they were saying that they were going to have uh business siloed um training essentially so in their Azure deployments, yeah. um, and 365 deployments, they would be siloed for, for that portion of it. So they'd have data privacy. 100%. So if you're using, um, yeah, as, as, uh, Matt said, so, um, I haven't, you know, experienced this firsthand yet, but what they've said in their, in their material, Microsoft has said is that, um, you'll be able to use your own um data your own internal data of of your choice um you know and that could be any data um and that is obviously siloed and not and not shared with um and not shared with uh open ai in any way what do you make of the the rumors about apple uh people are saying yeah. that around wwdc uh, that's around june 4th apple are expected to come forward with a with at least a statement of their um privacy um uh, approach uh, the idea being that you have on-device LLMs 
Uh, do you think that that's going to happen or do you think they're going to fluff it? Um, I'm just amazed that, um, you know, uh, that Apple and, and frankly, Google um, are struggling to, to um, publicly anyway, um, make any headway at the moment on with open AI uh, and the progress. Apple, um, I think they've been focused as far as I understand, yeah, of course they've got, you know, they're, they're, they're working on something. Um, we Nobody's seen anything yet. What we do know is coming out is the is the VR headset. Um, and even that is rumoured to be experiencing, experiencing some internal debate over uh, whether it's ready to launch. So, um, so, so... Um, but we do know that they have extremely advanced neural chips and that yeah. they're already in millions of laptops all over the world. And we know that they're going to the three nanometer process yeah. uh, for their M3 chips. That, that could be quite something if they if they if they launch an on-device LLM with that. I I agree. I agree. Um look at Google, so could Google, so could Amazon, you know, but nobody's nobody's doing it at the moment. <laughs> but, but but what I mean is is that the difference being that I mean, we've seen something of Google's uh, AI in, with Bart, and apparently there's so much turmoil in the in that company that they're talking about replacing the CEO with GPT-4. So, but in the case of Apple, in the case of Apple, you've got these chips that uh, we don't know quite why or why they followed that path, but they are sitting there with the GPUs and the neural the neural uh, uh, CPUs or whatever you call them uh, in people's home computers. So presumably, if they were to bring out something. Microsoft doesn't have the hardware to edge. Uh, Amazon doesn't have the hardware edge. So, do, I mean, do you see from, and as somebody who just has been using this intensively for as long as you have, would you consider it to be a big convenience to have an on-device thing rather than having to constantly be calling to servers and be limited and restricted? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it, it, uh, no, it doesn't strike me as, a, as an important um aspect right now um, um yeah i'm just trying to i'm trying to stay i mean i don't want to get too technical but already you know you can you can um you know in terms of facebook or meta's own large language model that's been leaked and is you know can now be run on a home computer practically um <laughs> Um, which is amazing te technological feat, but it's not something that interests me on a day-to-day -day sort of use case basis now. But it does illustrate the fact that we could end up with many, many, many um, instances of large language models um, potentially all contributing to the same data set, which just um, opens up a whole new set of ethical and um um you know data quality concerns but um but I think yeah it just depends how good it is right if it was better then cool if it's not better then <laughs> yeah yeah exactly talking of that the, the difference between better and not better a lot of people have been talking over the past week especially after the restrictions on gpt4 that well you know 3.5 is excellent and you can use that for lots of stuff but my instinct, and this could just be because I'm a perfectionist or I'm spoilt, is that I don't want to waste my time messing around with the less than the best uh, LLL. So, I mean, how do you feel? Because as you, you were saying earlier with the programming that you jump between the two, um, do you think that there really is a future for the lesser LLMs? 
Is it worth wasting your time on them? Well, is it worth wasting your time on them? I guess um, that's a really interesting question, right? Because I think three weeks ago, I was like, you know, we all thought chat GPT 3.5 turbo was incredible. <laughs> um, and it was, and it still is. But now we've got GPT 4. So it does, you know, <laughs> we've we've learned that we can use it for, for new, you know, we've, we've acquired new superpowers that we didn't have before uh, or more superpowers. Um, so I would never put somebody off from using uh, the legacy versions of GPT um, uh, because people will push it to its limits and it's and realize that, okay, I can only go so far with this. Um, and depending on what your use case is or the question is, then 3 and 3.5 turbo may be, may be absolutely fine and ideal. Um, you might not need to, you know, but at some point, GPT-4 or 4 Turbo, as it inevitably will be soon, will be um, will be free. Um, and we'll be paying for, if you want access to GPT-5 um, or whatever's next, then um, that'll come. But, but how about in, in your case? I mean, if it was for your newsletter readers, if it was for your blog yeah. article readers, if you're producing your content, um, would you at this stage waste your time at 3.5? So, no. Right. Good question. No, I wouldn't. What, the, what I actually do is if if I'm talking about a specific prompt or use case, try to, or try at least to make clear that I'm talking about GPT-4 if it, if it only, if it is only valid for that particular, if, if it's only valid for that particular model. And it's easy to forget that Actually, most people are probably just still using 3.5. Um, and um, but look, you know, give it a few weeks, we'll all be we'll all be on four probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Does anyone else have a have a question? Yes, Martin, I do. Um, so uh, I have two questions actually. The first one is just to get back to the uh, generative uh, and statistical part about guessing the next word what kind of criteria does it use to, to think that this is the best next word yeah. next question and the second question is I, I saw that you're also into web3 a little bit uh, do you see any uh, productive or promising projects mixing ai and web3 i keep seeing some of these pop up but i don't know what's for real and what's just bs so mm. thank you so with the generative AI, yeah, great questions. Thanks, Tarek. The generative AI, my understanding of it, not being a data scientist, but from what I've read of white papers and so on, my understanding of the way that the, the generative AI works from word to word is that each word is scored. It scores each individual word out of a range of possibilities. Um, and so it predicts a, a set of potential outputs that it can choose, scores them and picks one of those. Um, the model itself uses a set of um, dials that it can dial up or down. Um, ChatGPT uses a default set configured set of dials for things like what's called temperature or, you know, do I make this super factual or do I become really creative? Um, 
So depending on what those settings are will affect the scoring or which score it should, which word it should pick. Um, but as I mentioned, if you use the API or the, the backend model itself, you can actually tweak that a little bit um, yourself. So depending on, you know, if you want, if you want the outputs to be super creative, then you can dial that right up. And that implement and that in fact, sorry, that impacts the scoring that the model is itself attaching to determine which word to output next. Which, um, and th that fine tuning can be uh, directed by addressed by telling it be more creative, for example, in the prompt, right? Okay. Yes. So another way to absolutely right. So an influence that a kind of influence that you have is to use the prompt to mm -hmm. to um, uh, impact that particular aspect. So how creative or how factual an answer is. Um, it's just not as good as doing it from from impacting the back end itself. Um, it, it does have an impact for sure. Um, so um, yeah, and then Web three. Um, yeah, I've worked with a couple of Web three startups, sort of NFT um, uh, and metaverse startups. Um, I've just gone really quiet at the moment. Um, I mean, there are some, not, don't get me wrong, I love the technology uh, and there are some super cool applications out there. Um, but I think AI has kind of stolen its thunder a little bit or generative AI. But Web3 will, I think, have its moment when it, when it merges with generative AI. Um, and... Um, and, and I'm already seeing, and yeah, my question is also regarding, I'm already seeing uh, projects that are using the hype of AI, uh, huh. and there are Web3 projects trying to say that we're also into AI. So do you know anything about that, how legit it is? And I don't. serious is happening? I, I don't, Terry, but I'm just, yeah, buyer beware, as always, with anything Web3 um, or anything that says it's AI-related because um, it's very easy to stick that label on. Um, yeah, I, I would be really wary of any web three projects right now that say that they are, um, you know, that they have found a meaningful application using GPT or any large language model within, within the, within, I say it's a metaverse or I could see it for NFT generation, you know, and generating, um, uh, images for NFTs, potentially generating videos. I can see little use cases like that, but nothing sort of massively transformative that's suddenly going to make a Web3 project go from, um, you know, super, super early adopter interest to mass interest. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. Something's going to happen. I've been contacted by a Nigerian Web3 AI. Lovely. I'm not sure what to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Was it, was it a prince? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he lost his bank account. It's fantastic. Brilliant. So, so what do you think is going to happen next? We just had two crazy weeks. Uh, this yeah. is, I mean, it's been astounding. But is this is this kind of uh, level going to sustain, or is or is this basically it for now? 
Um, no, the next few months are going to be as crazy uh, by all accounts and what. And, and you know, I say the because next the video month, stuff's coming, right? The video, video stuff, stuff video stuff yeah. is going to be insane. The plugins for ChatGPT, yeah. Um, yeah, will change how we all do anything. Um, I, I mean, just trying to <laughs> put a. I put a LinkedIn post there the other day, which which was slightly George, you know, George Orwellian sort of 1984. Um, it wasn't meant to be, but it, it came across like that. And I think I scared a few people and, and people were like, oh, this is this is like my worst nightmare. But my point was that every single aspect of our lives will be impacted by um by GPT through because of this these plugins, which ultimately allow you to just allow GPT to get other things done outside of outside of you know OpenAI's world, and um, every aspect of our lives can be impacted by that. And trying to explain that, um, <laughs> or trying to get your head around it, is difficult enough. First of all, so um, to try to explain it is another, but just. Over the next few months, observing how that is gathering steam and the use cases that people are finding from that is super, super interesting. Um, and then um, constant improvements in the image generation. The video generation is going to be super, super interesting to watch. Obviously, incredibly difficult to get right. But um, uh, and then the merging of all of those. So don't forget with GPT-4, although it hasn't been released yet, um, you've got something called multi-modal um, ability. So the ability to um, uh, submit a prompt as an image and then query the, the image. So you could submit, um, you could submit uh, a, a, a picture of your contents of your fridge and ask it to generate a list of ingredients, for example, or um, you could, as has famously been done by um, by OpenAI, the, uh, you know, you could sketch a, sketch a, an app or a website and um, ask it to come up with the code for that website. And then because of the plugins, you can ask it to create the web app for you without actually doing any of the coding yourself. Um, so um, all of that will be happening. <laughs> on a screen near you in literally in the next few months. Could I play on the plugins? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's going to wipe out a bunch of the startups that are happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Could, could, I, could I ask, on, on the plugins, I want to play devil's advocate because I'm, I'm not entirely clear on why it's not possible for, um, for OpenAI, who obviously they, they wanted to restrict it from the internet to begin with. But I don't understand why, rather than say have a plugin for Wolfram Alpha, why they yeah. don't just integrate that ability, you know, piece by piece, you know, uh, Booking.com and uh, all the different things that they're going to plug in. Why don't they just integrate that into the uh, basic model? What's mm. the point of having people individually install the plugins? And what's the benefit? Because it seems to me that it would be better to just do it for everybody, switch it on for everybody at the same time. Um. Okay. So. I can't answer the first question if I'm honest. I don't know what their strategic rationale is by not giving Wolfram Alpha or absorbing that in their own model initially, but it's probably just for the sake of protecting the data integrity. Um, because 
Uh, there's only so much testing you can do on something before it goes into the to the real world. Um, so the longer term plans might be different. And for any of these plugins, if they see a, a, a you know a clear success that is used by um, you know that 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 sees substantial success, then absolutely you could imagine that becoming a built-in feature. Um, but I think their vision seems to be just give developers the ability to build anything on top of the API. Um, and, um, you know, the market will decide what's popular and then ChatGPT or OpenAI may well build either their own version of that, um, or, or, um, um, do what they're doing now, which is realizing the core competency is not developing plugins. Actually, it's just letting other people build the plugins and we'll build the underlying data sets. Um, and, um, you know, typical app sort of app store model. So, so they basically provide the swimming pool and developers then provide the, the floating rings that we can throw on top of the pool. Is, is that the basic thing, idea here? Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that, um, Danica. Um, yeah, I can't come up with a better analogy at the moment without going to chat GPT, and that would be cheating. Okay. But, but, but is it, can, can you think of it? Sorry. I was going to say, get a really popular plugin, and um, but that whoever's developed that plugin will obviously push on the limitations of the API, right? And then they'll be saying, we need this, we need that, we need this. Yeah. And so that'll push back into the development of OpenAI's API. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the developers, the feedback that they get from developers, um, you know, they'll be working really closely with, with the, the most popular apps to, uh, or plugins to, um, to upgrade their own systems at OpenAI to accommodate that. And um, what, what, what sense, what, what type of plugin do you think will, will take off? Um, so what kind of plugin do I think will take off? It's probably one that doesn't, um, that we can't even think of right now will be the killer app, but just immediately right now, the sort of kind of use cases that are more commonly being talked about are, um, you know, they have to use Zapier to do this, but you know, being able to sort of say, can you just check my emails when I last talked about um this subject? Um, and then just send me a you know five-line summary of what Bob said to me in that email. And that, you know, so just interacting more easily with all your other tools without having to um without having to so, so, so being able to sit in chat GPT as the hub for everything rather than having to constantly go out to use lots of different tools. So and in that then, case, is the purpose of the plugin is essentially to contain your kind of uh, individual private login data and what have you for, say, Gmail, and then that it's able to work in concert with your Gmail data. Absolutely. Okay, so that's, a, okay, so that's what they do. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, and with regards to inputs, is that then what the main way of sending input to GPT is through plugins, say uploading PDFs, have it analyze a YouTube video, which I've seen some services do. How is it working through the API? Is it because uh, obviously you cannot do that through the interface of ChatGPT as a user, right? Well, some people 
can if they've got access to either the version of GPT-4 where images can be uploaded or they've got the browser-based plugin because one of the plugins is literally just giving you access to the internet and including all of the current internet up to now in the data set. That's what you mentioned is coming soon for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the next few months, everybody will, everybody's chat GPT will, if they want it, give access to the full internet of data. And I'm curious, if you were to meet regular people, lawyers, accountants, maybe mm. who haven't used chat GPT yep. today, what would you tell them? Like, how would you sell it to them? Why should they take an interest in learning about prompts? How can it help them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people come to me, sorry to interrupt. Um, the, the, the conversation tends to go like, um, and this is from, you know, well-paid professions, as you say, um, am I going to lose my job in a jokey way? And then, no, but seriously, do I need to change jobs in a, in a, <laughs> uh, in a less jokey way? Um, and then, um, and OpenAI itself has published a white paper on which jobs are the most likely to be A, impacted and B, replaced over time. Um, but I see um, in the short term, and who knows what that actually means, but in the short term, um, everybody benefiting from an aug- AI being an augmenter so augmenting your 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 abilities and your skills to do your job better whether that's quicker or being able to do new jobs you weren't able to do before or and so on so i see it as opposed to people having to immediately worry about it being um being replaced by ai um anything that involves um it's it's hard to find jobs that aren't going to be impacted, but obviously there are some. You talked about lawyers and doctors. Um, there are some incredible applications out there for um, to assist lawyers in in um, in their jobs, given all of the the data that they're involved with and all of the um, the documents. But there are also you know potential replacers replace the tools out there whereby people won't need lawyers because they can start to rely on on AI to generate contracts for them or to understand what um, a particular legal document means. Um, but um, so so it's really it's really interesting. Um, I mean look, I work in consultancy and people in consultancy are saying I'm a I literally work in knowledge in <laughs> in knowledge so without knowledge what can a consultant actually do so you know everybody's being impacted by this yeah so what's um martin what's your take on the idea that those that are really already good at what they do yeah are gonna know how to prompt it better how to direct it better yeah and so they're gonna get even better at what they do and get more of the 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 essential of the riches quote unquote and no those I, that are I, mediocre and, and not good will probably just vanish slowly yeah it's difficult to say um i would like to think that um 
this becomes it's a it's a bit of a hybrid of those so on the one hand this creates a more level playing ground for everybody because access to and understanding knowledge and automation becomes more accessible so we all get a bit of a level up a level up there but but the people who are experts and who can interact with ai therefore um in a more successful way than other people will will get more of a will get more of a leg up so um it's really hard to talk about in quantifiable terms <laughs> but um but all i would just i just see loads of opportunities at the moment it just requires reframing a lot of things so whereas in the past we we might have thought you know who do I speak to about this? It's like, how can I speak to the, an AI to tell me this information? You know, what information do I need to give it? What can, what is the prompt that I need to give here in order to be able to, in order for it to be able to help me to do it? So it's a bit of a reframing of and, and a mindset change. Yeah, just a, a final thought on this. Maybe if we simply follow a the natural power law of how the distributions work, right? You're probably going to have a five ten percent at the top that use it extremely well and get even better and you're probably going to have the bottom maybe you know just the thought yeah well yeah exactly standard deviation would suggest that most of us will just be um quote unquote average users um and maybe five percent will be uh will be um able to um really push it to its absolute limits but don't don't you think that maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way? We're dealing with intelligence here. So there's a chance that this could be used to augment our dumbest people. That we've got yeah. an entire army full of people who, practically speaking, can't do skilled work. I mean, automation and all sorts of mechanization has meant that a lot of jobs have disappeared that the dumber people in society would do. Now we've got a chance to bring people on board. And in fact, not just in terms of intelligence, but in terms of things like uh, native English uh, speaking ability or native any language ability. Now we've got a way, or at least we can see in the near future, ways for people to seamlessly operate in different languages and to um, operate with, if not the skills of a lawyer. You know, you have a thing where a street sweeper will be able at the touch of a button to consult uh, top legal advice on stuff. So I think this this upskills everybody. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Same, same thing with the mobile phone, right? I mean, it upskilled right. everybody, but then you have the top, top, X percent that we were selling the mobile benefited even more. Yeah. Absolutely, for example. Yeah, and then considering that we are the oh, sorry. sorry, okay, go ahead, Vlad. Yeah, then it's the question of verifying the 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 output from ChatGPT, right? So the better you are in your knowledge, uh, the easier it's for you to either correct it or you know rely on that data. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we're if we're talking about builders, though, a lot of us are builders, and maybe we haven't really experimented much with AI, but we're excited to give it a go. What obvious opportunities are you seeing with regards to what businesses can we start working on building? Because we have the knowledge and maybe software development, marketing, different aspects, law, finance. How can we? grab ChatGPT and start building MVPs today? What obvious things are you seeing, if any? 
Um, so it's very early days in terms of saying what MVPs are, are, are being seen, uh, you know, or are being seen. It's just too early. It's too early to say because it, you know, a lot of people are just having a bit of fun at the moment. I wouldn't say that there are any sort of incredible um, products that have been built. It's more about just the ability to be able to build stuff in the first instance, like. This has only been possible for a few for a week or so, so um, so we're all still getting used to it. Um, but but the um, the 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 MVPs, if you like, are, are more about the you know um, people testing Chat GPT to see what is possible to get done in their day-to-day work and tasks and just um every time every time you get you enter a prompt you're getting instant results instant feedback to determine whether this is you know helping you or whether it isn't um that's quite unique and so that's allowing everybody just to to test the system um and i think you know it's still incredibly early days still for for that it's not like everybody you know here are um are using chat gpt day in day out um and um by the way when it went down the other day i i had to start using google again and (laughs) it felt the most unnatural thing in the world (laughs) um (laughs) it's amazing how quickly you you sort of change having been so used to google for um 20 or 30 years um but no so i can't yeah it's a difficult question to answer um Actually, maybe let me sharpen it a bit because yeah I, I am uh i have a big background in building software and i'm comparing it because my background is in wordpress right when wordpress came around we suddenly anyone who was like had some basic coding skills could start building websites start building blogs for themselves or for clients so a lot of people came online. I remember those early days where everybody was using WordPress to build some kind of yeah. thing. So I'm seeing AI in that aspect. So can I just uh, plug into the API and build a product? An example would be last time I was experimenting with a product that allows us to build storybooks for kids. So I was doing that for my son. So it gives you put in the prompt with what you want in the story, gives you a nice story puts in the images with mid-journey. So that's an example of what I think I could build with my skills integrating with the API. Nice. So perhaps that's what I'm thinking as like as builders, how can we grab the API and build something? Are there any obvious things we can see that we can build? Uh, ask chat ask, ask GPT for some ideas. Good point. Good point. Um, <laughs> Literally, that's, it, it's, it sounds facetious, but um, that would be a good place to start because it totally depends on what your areas of interest and, um, and you know, your skill sets are, I suppose. I mean, somebody uh, mentioned uh, typing mind, for example. I'm not sure if you've seen that. It's uh, basically a better oh, typing mind. Yeah. 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 The Yeah. I guess another similar thing that what I'm mentioning, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and the APIs are there for us to build on. So you can, if, you know, if, if, if you're technically minded or, 
you know, even if you just want to use, like we were talking about earlier with using ChatGPT and something like Replit just to create your own app, then, you know, the API is there for you to, to build on top of. So if you wanted to build a, you know, um, blog content generator that could be built in, in half an hour and you could, um, you know, have that available. But it's more about how, you know, I think the interesting thing now is that the, the power of the idea becomes even more important because mm-hmm. everybody's able to build and everybody's able to write what you're building and what you're actually writing and what you're saying becomes the differentiator. Um, because if anybody can make practically anything happen, <laughs> then again, it comes down to the, to, to the quality of the idea. Um, as, as, yeah, a consultant, we... as a consultant, you must come across an awful lot of very stupid ideas from your clients. <laughs> do you ever do, do you ever feel a sort of an urge to just go off and make I, something yourself? Because you're looking all, at all, all, all of the ideas are fantastic. All of the ideas that the clients come up with are fantastic. And I, can, I have to say that, obviously. Um, uh, <laughs> um no, I, there's a couple of ideas that, that the clients rolled out on the basis of, you know, feasibility or at the time, um, which actually, you know, would not be that difficult to do now. Um, so, Are you tempted? No, I would, I would, I would, ne- I would never do that. But um, I do have quite a nice backlog of ideas that I might, um, I might have to, to reconsider now. Um, now that you reminded me. Um, but no, I, I think just have some fun with it, you know. Um, if it's like like I mentioned, if you want to generate, you know, create some some merch for your for your for your um for your for your business, then use use Dali or something to create some um some images for that and or just set up a side hustle that does um uh, I love, I mean, GPT boss is a, is a guy who's literally built, you know, um, a front end on top of API with a persona defined and turned into a real person, uh, who is an expert for marketing and an expert for design an expert on corporate finance and an expert on this. So just de- de- defining the prompt has become a skill for him because he's, he's now created this kind of extra workforce ready-made workforce in a box without having to faff around with chat gpt so i think there's going to be a lot of people out there who don't use chat gpt and just want that done for them um so there's loads of tools that you could still and and i think you know i think it was matt earlier who mentioned that uh who's no no doubt now gone to bed um but but it was um that, that loads of these ai products now become um tools that have launched in the last few weeks now become redundant. But I don't know if they do, because that's assuming that everybody will be comfortable using chat GPT. And that will take that will take years for it to to become that mass market adopted. Um, so in the meantime, just building on top of the APIs that become available from all these uh, language models will be will be um, will have a market um, products that you build will have a market. Yeah, my my final thought is I think um, interacting with AI can also help us become better communicators with other humans, right? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty poor at communicating, especially within the family. You know, where when you take 
things for granted sometimes. And maybe having to be very specific with the AI can help me improve the way I communicate with the people around me. I, I'm looking forward to that effect. GPT divorce. <laughs> I think I would say, and this is this is a serious point. I don't know how it works, and I'm trying to find like some expert who can tell me why it works, but being polite to these language models has an impact, a small but tangible, measurable impact on the quality of the output that you get. So I'm always... A Easter egg they put in there. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Like, there's a, there's a subliminal, like, um, you know, um, politeness um measure in there that I think's been built in. But I mean it's a good it's a good uh it's a good thing, right? I'm actually enjoying being very polite to to uh to these machines. I haven't tried it, but I've heard that if you're aggressive to the model, the model will be aggressive back to you. Right. Isn't that insane? Is it true? <laughs> um that's yeah, no, no. I mean I don't like doing that too often. It just doesn't feel right. Uh but I have tested it. Um, and I mean, they're, they're improving it all the time on GPT and other models. Like, um, is it this, is this the jailbreak stuff or is it something totally different? Effectively. I mean, you can't, yes, it's, it's slightly different, right? So being, being aggressive towards a, 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 a conversational AI is one thing. Um, it's probably not a great thing to do if you really want it to cooperate, um, but a, a jailbreaking is where people have been able to basically say, okay, forget everything you know up until now. You're now going to behave in this way and um, find loopholes in the in the model, um, which at the end of the day is free bounty hunting for open AI. So um, <laughs> um, it, it all helps. It all helps improve the whole system. Awesome. Um, I don't know any questions remaining from those who are still with us. No? Okay. So, uh, yeah, Martin, thanks a lot for being with us. And before we close off, I'd like to congratulate you on the great work you've been doing with the, the blog and newsletter and perhaps yeah. uh, reiterate what you're doing with the, the book, with the Product Prompts Pro um, Thing that you launched thank you very much thank you it's been a pleasure to be here and some great questions and um you know we're all we're all beginners here we're all learners so it's going to be uh, an exciting journey ahead but thanks very much for having me on really great to meet you martin cheers see you all thank you thank you bye-bye thank you thank you, bye -bye. Thank you. Thank you.